Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Old Testament reading of Genesis, as you heard a few moments ago. You may be seated. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, here we are again. Favorites. Something that comes up constantly in this family who will soon be known as the Israelites. Because as you heard last week, Jacob wrestled with God. Saw his face, likely the face of Jesus. And came out alive. And was given the name Israel. Because he wrestled with God and prevailed. But with a limp. And then he was able to move forward in life. Going on to make peace with his brother Esau after many, many years. Today we fast forward a bit to see Israel's children growing up. And Joseph is 17 years old here. And we see that Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons. Because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. Jacob loved Joseph the most. And because of all that he went through to get him, you could see why. Joseph was the firstborn son of Rachel, whom he had given 14 years of service to his uncle Laban in order to have her as his wife. And it was really only supposed to be seven. But he was tricked by his uncle, and he ended up marrying Leah first. He had 11 other children by three different women, including Leah, before Rachel, whom he loved way more than Leah, was finally able to conceive and gave birth to Joseph. And so Israel makes this robe of many colors for his favorite, most beloved son. Now, sometimes you might see this as called a, a coat with long sleeves. Now, whether it was colorful or long sleeve or both, it had significance. The colorful aspect means that it would have been dyed. It would have been taken time to make this. It would have cost a decent amount of money to make this robe. So it was an expensive gift. If it had long sleeves, well, when you look at pictures of people from these times, sometimes you see them wearing garments without sleeves, like Israel's pictured here, because it's a hot climate, and shepherds are in the fields all day long in the hot sun. They're not wearing long sleeves. So the long sleeves could be seen as more for nobility. Maybe it's for those who don't actually have to do any work. Because they're not outside in the hot sun. Now before this robe is given to Joseph, we do see that Joseph is pasturing in the fields with some of his brothers. So Joseph was working as a shepherd at some point. But where we get to in the plot with his brothers, Joseph has been sent by Israel to check on his brothers and the flock 
So it's entirely possible that after this robe is presented to Joseph, he stops working in the fields with his brothers. And Joseph's brothers, well, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Israel, after many years, had made peace with his brother Esau. But his sons couldn't make peace with Joseph. Taking after their uncle in the hate department, since that's how Esau felt after Jacob had deceived him out of his birthright and his blessing, the brothers hated Joseph so much that they couldn't say anything nice to him. Have any of you ever disliked someone so much or made someone so mad for whatever reason or they made you so mad for whatever reason that you couldn't even talk to them anymore? We already saw that Joseph had brought a a bad report to his father about some of his brothers. So we know that Joseph is a tattletale. Who knows what for? But he is. And then later... Of course, he tells his brother of his dreams, of how he is ruling over them. And they hated him even more for it. And then he has this robe as a constant reminder that he was the favorite son. And maybe he's not even working as a shepherd at this point in the fields anymore. These were some of the reasons why his brothers hated him so much that they wanted to kill him. Just like Esau wanted to kill Jacob. Again, it runs in the family. Unlike Jacob, though, Joseph didn't see it coming. After all, he was a bit of a dreamer. Maybe he thought that his life was perfect and that no harm would come his way. Maybe he was even a little arrogant about it. Teenagers, right? Teenagers with big dreams. And have you have any of you ever been like that? Big dreams, big ambitions. You're going to rule the world someday. Or maybe you're just going to have a successful life. Find a good job, get married, retire at 65 years old, celebrate your 50th anniversary, die of a heart attack in your sleep at the ripe old age of 95. Things don't always work out that way, do they? I think that all of us, to some extent, have some kind of plan for our life. And one of life's toughest lessons that we all learn at some point is that things don't always go the way we plan. No matter how many scenarios we factor into how our plans can't come to fruition and what we'll do when those things go wrong to get back on track. Think about how some of your dreams have turned out for you. Now this question is obviously for some of the older people who we can talk about retirement and marriage with. For those of you younger people, you still got a long way to go to see if those dreams come to realization. Joseph had two dreams where God showed him that he was going to have a very prominent life. 
And that someday his brothers, his own family, would bow down to him. Think about how things in your own life have shaped out for you. Have you lost anything? Your business? A job? Your health? Your spouse? Your parent? Your child? Your friend? Your place? Your calling in life? Your faith? The Joseph story reminds us that life doesn't always go the way that we think it should. The way that we had it planned out. And Joseph's story, in the end, becomes something I'm sure he told all of his grandkids. And today's reading from Genesis shows us where it all begins. And today's gospel reading also shows us where the final days of Jesus' earthly ministry begins. As he comes into the city of Jerusalem, being welcomed by the people with palm branches and cloaks being laid down before him. It is in these moments that God's plan, first given in the third chapter of Genesis, enters its final stages. And while there are many parallels between Joseph and Jesus that we're going to see today and the rest of this Holy Week, what we will see more than anything is that even though our lives don't go according to our plans, God's plans always go according to how he promised they would. Even if they don't look exactly how we expect that it will. And even if we don't always understand how it works. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And his plans are not always our plans. His plans, however, are far greater. When we go back to Joseph, we see him as the favorite, beloved by his father, honored by him in front of all of his family, as the robe of many colors is placed upon him. As a result of this and other things, It makes his brothers hate him. And later they plot to kill him. This is their plan. Jesus is honored by God the Father in his baptism where he is called beloved. He is honored by God the Father at his transfiguration where he is called beloved. And today we see Jesus not with garments placed upon him, but with cloaks placed upon his donkey. And laid down in the street before him, reminiscent of kingly inaugurations in the past. Jesus is honored here this Palm Sunday as king with shouts of Hosanna to the son of David. Because the son of David was going to rescue his people. And Hosanna means help us, save us. And here is the Savior, the Messiah, that people thought would take back the throne of David. This is their king. And as a result of this, and everything else Jesus had done, many hated Jesus and planned to kill him. Sometimes things go according to plan, 
and sometimes they don't. For Joseph's brothers, their plot is thwarted by some of the other, we'll call them maybe level-headed brothers, or maybe just brothers that didn't hate him as much. Reuben, the oldest, gets his brothers not to take Joseph's life, but to put him in a pit, a cistern in the ground that would have collected rainwater, but it was dried out now. Reuben planned to come back later and bring him back to their father, Israel. His brothers go along with part of the plan. Judah then gets his brothers not to kill Joseph, not to take his life, but to sell him to some Ishmaelites who carry him off and sell him to Potiphar in Egypt. So they get rid of Joseph without taking his life. I guess they can feel good about something, right? Joseph had been stripped of his colorful robe, and the brothers decide to cover it in goat's blood so that their father will think that Joseph has been attacked and eaten by wild predators. Maybe a lion, because deception runs in their family. This plan works, and Israel believes that Joseph is dead. We, of course, know that he's alive. But as he is carried along by these Ishmaelites, ultimately to Egypt, his life is about to get worse. For Jesus, as he enters Jerusalem, carried along by this donkey, things are about to get worse for him. As some, some people are shouting, Hosanna in the highest! Others are plotting to kill him. Their plan works. And instead of a colorful robe being ripped off Jesus, in just a few days, a colorful purple robe is placed upon Jesus. This being placed upon him after he has already been flogged by the Romans, after the crown of thorns has been placed on his head, after he's been mocked by them, beaten by them. And this means the robe that he is now wearing, this purple robe, is covered, soaking, in his very own blood. And the shouts of Hosanna will soon turn to shouts of crucify him. Joseph was unwillingly sold into slavery as the brothers were paid the price of a slave. The brothers then sacrifice an animal to cover up their sins and present the blood-stained garment before their father to make their father believe the lies. Jesus takes the Palm Sunday path, the journey to the cross, willingly becoming a servant, a servant who lays down his life for his people, a servant who becomes the sacrifice to cover up the sins of the people. To cover up your sins and to cover up mine. His blood that is being shed is poured out on behalf of all people. And his body and blood are presented before his heavenly father as the final sacrifice, the final atonement, the only truly acceptable sacrifice that can forgive the sins of God's people once and for all. And to fulfill the promises made after Adam and Eve sinned. The Savior 
the king of kings, has come into the world. His reign just didn't turn out the way people had planned because his rightful, though undeserved, place is upon the cross. And his death didn't accomplish what the Jews thought it would. But it did accomplish everything God had planned that it would. The forgiveness of our sins. The saving of many lives. And his resurrection from the dead assures us of eternal life for all who believe. So today, what are you struggling or wrestling with? Lies that you live out to advance your own self? Lies that you tell others in order to get whatever you want? Are you struggling with your own health? Are you struggling with sins that you've covered up? Sins of the past? Sins of the present? Are you wrestling with your place in this world? Are you wrestling with your place in this church? We all have burdens. We all have sins. We all give in to temptation. And the result of our sins is death. It's suffering. It's condemnation. It's hell. And that's exactly why Jesus is there on the cross. To die for our sins. To suffer for us. To take our condemnation and our hell. So that we don't. He dies. To give us life. So whatever you got. Come and lay them down at the foot of the cross. Before our Savior. Before the Son of David. Before the Son of Man and the Son of God. Before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And come to his altar. And receive his body and blood. That he is given to us that once again cleanses our sins, that makes us holy, that assures us that we are God's beloved child, and that by faith in him, which he has gifted to us by the Holy Spirit, we do have eternal life. And that whatever we go through in this world, in our lives, that we will overcome them. Maybe not on this earth, Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the life to come. And we have the assurance given to us in the blood-soaked cross and in the empty pit, the empty tomb that no longer holds Jesus because he is not dead. He is alive. Hosanna in the highest indeed. Amen. And now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.